Welcome to Lost in Twin Peaks. Today's episode goes into the weeds to look at trivial details of Twin Peaks that are fun to dig into, I think. Uh, at least I find them to be. One of those is the order that the scenes take place in this episode. You know, I can't necessarily talk about why I think they take place in the, this order, because that entails stuff that we haven't seen yet. I'm avoiding spoilers, but uh, I will say what order I believe that these take place in. And then we're going to talk about the characters, who's got the most screen time in this episode. Look at some things in terms of, you know, the characters overall in the series, but uh, for reasons I'll discuss, I don't want to get too much into that. Uh, Characters coming back and so forth. So interesting side details there. And then finally, of course, we'll talk about those Twin Peaks motifs of coffee, pie, and donuts. The order that these events take place on is a little bit difficult to nail down. Some of these scenes could take place theoretically at any point. Uh, They don't have to take place at one point or another. Here's the timeline I come up with that I think makes sense. I think on Wednesday, September 21st, 2016, Jacoby receives his shovels and Sam and Tracy have that that first night where she brings him the coffee and he says he can't come in. On Thursday, September 22nd, 2016, uh, Sam and Tracy are killed in the glass box room. Uh, Ray and Daria join Mr. C at that cabin. And I like to think that this is the night Sarah watches TV because as somebody pointed out, uh, she's watching, as she's staring at a box watching you know, this this vicious, violent attack. This is also the night that Ruth Davenport is killed. And, uh, you know, so that's not a scene we see in the in the return, but I think that's when this takes place. On Friday, September 23rd, Ruth's murder is discovered. A body is found in the room. Thinking about this now, I suppose this could actually be several days after Ruth was killed because there's that, you know, odor. It suggests she's the, the head has been in there for a while. But if I remember correctly, the way that they described the timeline when they arrest Hastings suggests she was killed just two days earlier. I'm not sure. There were reasons that I came up with all this, so I'll have to believe myself on that. So again, Friday, uh, September 23rd, 2016, Ruth's body is discovered. Uh, the log lady calls Hawk for the first time. Duncan talks to Roger, and we get that diner scene with Mr. C and Ray arguing back and forth. On Saturday, September 24th, 2016, the salesman visits the sheriff's station. All the stuff with Hastings happens where he's arrested, he's put in jail. Uh, the Laura case is reopened. Mr. C kills three people, including Phyllis Hastings, and uh, Hawk walks into Glastonbury Grove. And one more event on Saturday night would be the chromatics appearing at the roadhouse with all the other characters showing up around. I think that we could probably locate not any time, but you know, there's nothing totally tying it down. Uh, but this night works as well as any other. And this would put it at the tail end of the events that take place in parts one and two, uh, except for that Ben and Jerry scene, which we'll talk about in a second. And then I believe we skip a day Monday, September 26th is when Ben's scene takes place. Um, It could take place, you know, on this weekend when these other scenes take place. But, you know, I I think for whatever reason, it seemed to make sense. Even though that's one of the earlier scenes in the episode, that seems to be one of the later ones in the timeline. The characters introduced in this episode are Sam and Tracy, Beverly, Otis, Beulah, Daria, Ray, some of the spirits, in this case, the experiment, Marjorie, Douglas and Olsen, the cops, Hank, the maintenance man, Ruth Davenport, Detective Mackley, Constance from the Buckhorn Police Department, Phyllis Hastings, Bill Hastings, Harrison, who's like a state cop that comes in, Boyd, who seems to be the chief, I think, George, the lawyer for the Hastings, 
Duncan Todd, Roger, his assistant, Chantel. Uh, we see the first band, which is the Chromatics. We meet Renee, who James has a crush on. We meet Green Gloved Freddy. We meet Red, and we meet Jean-Michel. The characters reintroduced in the series are several of the spirits, the giants, Mike and the arm. We meet Cooper and Mr. C. Again, uh, we meet Jacoby, Ben, Jerry, Lucy, the log lady, Hawk, Deputy Andy, Laura Palmer. We hear someone who may be Philip Jeffries, Leland Palmer, Sarah Palmer, Shelley, and James. Here's the rankings for these characters. And this, uh, because it was for the character series, it's actually divided into two parts. So uh, I'll give you the rankings for part one and then for part two. For part one, number 10 is Phyllis with about three minutes. But the Morgans are coming for dinner. Number nine is Otis with about three minutes. Mr. C. Mr. C. Number eight is the Spirits collectively with about four minutes. Is this in Number seven is Marjorie with about four minutes. I have the key. Number six is Harrison with about four minutes. They might tell you more than they tell me. Number five is Douglas and Olson, the cops, with uh, almost six minutes. Uh-oh. Who's Hank? So we're now in the top five of this episode, and you have these two random cops as among the five most prominent characters in this premiere episode of The Return. That's pretty far out when you think about it. Number four is Cooper, with about seven minutes of screen time. I understand. Mr. C has four of those minutes. Put something better at your front door. Number three is Hastings, with eight minutes of screen time. Please tell me what's going on. Number two is Mackley, Detective Mackley, with about 13 minutes. Bill, is there anything else that you would like to tell me before we get the lawyer involved? So he's all over this episode way more than Cooper, almost twice as much as Cooper, which is interesting to consider. Finally, number one characters in part one are Sam and Tracy with 17 whopping minutes of screen time. Top secret. Ooh, now I'm so curious. You're driving me crazy. That's more than the log lady has in the entirety of seasons one, two, and Firewalk With Me combined. Think about that for a second. In this one episode, this young couple staring at the glass box are on screen more than the log lady in the entirety of the series that she was like a legendary character in. That just blows my mind. I love that little factoid. Uh, for part two, the rankings are number 10, Hawk with about two minutes. Good night, Margaret. Number nine, Ray with about three minutes. This information seems pretty important to you. Number eight, Hastings with about three minutes. I know about you and George, and maybe somebody else too. Number seven is Jack with about three minutes. Number six is Phyllis with about four minutes. Life in prison, Bill. Life in prison. Number five is the band, the Chromatics, with about five minutes. Number four is Laura. She's got five minutes on screen. She also has uh, six minutes, if you include an extra minute for characters discussing her. I am dead. Yes, yeah, I You know, talking about her case again. Number three is the spirits, collectively, with six minutes of screen time. <sighs>
Number two is Daria with 11 minutes of screen time. What's mine is yours. She's on screen a lot, and it's almost entirely that one scene where she's killed. That's just a brutal, long, extended sequence where the actress does really great work. Uh, Nicola Liberté is her name. And finally, number one, as he was for most of the original series as well, is Cooper with 25 minutes of screen time. Are you Laura Palmer? On screen for almost half the time. Mr. C has nine of those minutes himself. You did good. You follow human nature perfectly. I didn't register any first interactions between um, familiar characters. Obviously, there's a bunch of new characters who are interacting with people for the first time. But in terms of characters we've known who never interacted before and now they are, I don't think there was anyone this episode. I mean, first of all, we're not seeing that many characters that we did know before to begin with. Uh, As far as supporting cast goes, for part one, this is the Sam and Tracy team's first time topping the supporting cast. Uh, Whatever that means now, you know, there's not exactly the same lead structure there was in the original, uh, where it was like, you know, from the pilot on, at least through about halfway through the show, Cooper, Harry, and Laura, or her presence, or her ghost, or whatever you want to call it, were kind of the three anchors of Twin Peaks, and the rest were sort of the supporting ensemble. But here, it's a little harder to parse. Everything's so scattered. But um, if you consider Cooper the the single top character, then this is Sam and Tracy's first time topping that supporting cast. Uh, They certainly don't appear to be the primary leads based on what happens to them in the episode and uh, what other scenes suggest the show will be about. So, you know, fair fair to call them support here. In part two, this is Daria's first time topping the supporting cast. So she's in support of the various incarnations of Cooper, who now appears to be firmly the lead central presence of the series after a sparse first episode where we really didn't see too much of him in any of his incarnations. In terms of successive episodes with prominent screen time, who's on a hot streak? No character who had over 20 minutes in the combined Firewalk Me and Missing Pieces, which runs about four hours, has even five minutes in part one, except for Cooper who has been above the threshold in every Twin Peaks episode so far. That episode ends the Spirits run of two entries above that threshold, and no one who has five minutes in Part 1 carries over to Part 2 except for Cooper. So at this point, Cooper's the only one racking up any significant screen time. Collectively, the top ten characters in the show so far are the same as they were at the end of Firewalk with me. Uh, First is Cooper, Harry's second, Laura's third, Donna's fourth, Ben's fifth, Audrey's sixth, Bobby is seventh, James is 8th, Leland is ninth, and Andy is 10th. Not enough character screen time in this to really affect those standings at all, plus we're now so many hours into this this series, I don't know, like 20-something hours for sure, that uh, it's going to be hard to dislodge some of those people. And many of them, I think four of them, aren't even in either of these parts, so... They're still maintaining their standings there. No, nobody can approach them. I'm probably going to refrain from reading these top tens in upcoming parts just because as they do get affected, I don't want to spoil what my top ten is going to be for the character series that I'm going to do that's going to come out after this podcast. So eventually if I do like spoiler episodes as like addendums to this, then I'll talk about it. But uh, I think that's the last time I'm going to read the overall character rankings um, just to preserve a little bit of suspense when I reach my top 10 in that that written weekly series that's going up through 2022 and 2023 uh, later this year, where I count down the characters in terms of screen time and provide huge entries on each one. So say goodbye to uh, that function. Uh, I will mention, as as we uh, note these 
the the kind of movement of the characters below the top 10 here. This will be the last time I do this as well. But the spirits at this point collectively become the 21st character, uh, or in this case, group of characters to reach an hour of screen time. So part one and two put them over with that. Uh, within that, the white horse now has a full minute of screen time. So uh, a little more visibility for the white horse. After part two, Cooper passes nine hours of screen time, total screen time. Well, the log lady hits 20 minutes, Macley hits 15, Darian Hastings hit 10, Phyllis hits five, and arguably so does Jeffries if you count that ambiguous voice that Mr. C communicates with on the phone in that one scene. Also ambiguously, if you calculate the Spirit Mike screen time based on when he's not just inhabiting the corporeal form of Philip Gerard, but is actually like in the red room or somewhere where he's just purely a spirit, even if he looks like Philip Gerard, he now has five minutes. That's confusing not only because the non-corporeal spirit form of Mike looks exactly like his host, unlike with Bob's possessions where he possesses a host and the host looks different from the spirit. It's also confusing because this character in The Return is billed as Philip Gerard in the closing credits. I think I mentioned this elsewhere, but it's just a confusing aspect where it's like, well, isn't this just purely the spirit, Mike? Like the shoe salesman didn't go to the Red Room and start advising Cooper, but who knows? So uh, that'll be the last time that uh, in the main podcast, at least, we talk uh, about the these uh, screen time for the characters overall. We'll continue to talk about them within the episode, but leave it at that. I'm no longer going to read who's been absent for four more episodes because too many characters disappear, at least temporarily, particularly following Firewalk with me. And the long list of when they were last seen would just be too overwhelming. I'm also not going to bother reading the most prominent characters who are absent from a particular episode because it's often going to be the same characters time after time. Like, I think you can already tell from parts one and two of The Return that it's not exactly like the original series in that, you know, the characters maintain some presence in every episode. They might dip out. They might dip back in and so forth. Now, that said, while I'm not going to read who's absent from an episode, when a character does show up again after not being seen for a while, that that's, I think, worth talking about. So who's returning to the show after four or more episodes of absence? And the answer in part one and two is Jerry Horn. It's been eight entries after his last appearance in episode 23 when he applauded Ben's plan to change the Ghostwood Estates project by rallying around the Pine Weasel as a cause had some band-aid on his uh, forehead for some reason. That was the last time we saw Jerry, so good that he's back and that wasn't his uh, full exit from the show. Pie and donuts we'd never see in the episode. We see coffee quite a lot. Sam and Tracy drink coffee. Constance is drinking it when she finds uh, Hastings' ID. And uh, later, uh, the cops ask Hastings if he wants coffee, and he says, no, he's okay with water. We see a cop drinking coffee when Phyllis exits. And uh, later, the log lady offers coffee and pie. We don't see them, but she puts the, uh, puts the offer out there to Hawk. And Hawk also tells Lucy to bring in donuts, which we, which we also don't see. So that's our coffee pie donuts motif for this episode. That's it for this episode. Tomorrow, we conclude the week of coverage of parts one and two by digging into my own archive. Uh, reading a piece that I wrote at the time and playing a clip from a video essay I made about the show. And then also at the very end, the only part of this week of podcast that has anything like a spoiler, I'll play a little teaser clip, the first minute of parts three and four, which were also released together. So that will smooth our transition into the following week. So all of that tomorrow in one of the shorter episodes, these archive episodes are a lot shorter for the return because uh, for the original series, I was digging into fan comments from the forums at the time. This is just simpler. This is just sharing mostly my own work on the series. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts to support this and my 
uh, let other people know about it. And you can also support my other work and this on Patreon, patreon.com slash lost in the movies. See you tomorrow to conclude this week of parts one and two.